Hi, my name is Ruben Porter. I'm the lead pastor here at Crossroads Church, and it's great to have you on our podcast today. We hope this message encourages you, builds you up in your faith, and ultimately brings you closer to Jesus. Enjoy. Lord, we uh, we don't want to ever think that the work that you did on the cross is anything short of just jaw-droppingly incredible. Because it meant that we could sit here with you this morning in communion. No limitations between you, our creator God, and us. And we can just rest in your presence. Lord, as we open up your word this morning, as we uh, look at the Christmas story, Lord, would you just renew on us a wonder of what you did for us. Remind us of the significance of those events that took place 2,000 years ago. That meant this morning we can gather and know that you are right here with us and that tomorrow you will be right here with us. We praise you, Jesus. Everybody see it. Amen. Amen. Cheers, team. Good morning, church. How are we? Hey, uh, it's uh, so good. It's such a privilege to, um, to be up here speaking with you this morning. If you don't know me, my name is Jake. I'm on team around here and uh, yeah, just so honored to, to get to come and kick off our Christmas series uh, this morning. Uh, Heaven on Earth, it's been titled, which is such a cool, cool t- title to be able to speak on. Hey, uh, I'm, I'm a little bit flustered because um, I, I had this kind of icebreaker kind of joke to start off the morning, and what would you know, Ruben gets up and literally says my exact lines this morning, he's, you know, kind of brought up the, the tree, and is it too soon for Christmas, and um, all of that, and so listen, I don't have anything for you, so um, in lieu of that, just to break some ice, get us in the Christmas spirit, I've just quickly Googled in my seat just some Christmas cracker jokes, so do you want to hear just a couple just to kind of loosen us up, get us in the Christmas spirit? Righto, here's our first one. Who's Rudolph's favorite pop star? Beyonce. (laughs) Hey, who hides in the bakery at Christmas? A mint spy. (laughs) this is so late. This is not what I expected. <laughs> Who delivers presents to pets? Santa Paws. Do we want one more? Who's Santa's favorite singer? Alphys Presley. Righto, we'll, we'll leave it on that one. <laughs> hey, um, yeah, listen. Uh, we're, we're mid-November and we are straight into our Christmas series and whether or not you think it is too early to be doing that and putting up the Christmas tree yet or not, I, I truly do believe that it's never too early to remind ourselves of the most pivotal 33 years that have ever taken place on this earth which saw heaven come to earth and uh, that is such an incredible uh, concept to ponder over, isn't it? To think that 2,000 years ago A baby boy was born in a stable in a little town called Bethlehem. And since that day, our access to the Creator God has never been the same. Because on that day, two worlds collided and heaven met earth. 
And through the life of that baby boy, it's been deemed permissible and acceptable for those of us who call Jesus Christ our Lord and our Savior to sit around the table with our Creator God Himself. Listen, if that doesn't leave you jaw-dropped, mouth open, spill your cup of tea, amazed and in wonder, well, it's my wholehearted hope that as we journey through the Christmas story over the next few weeks in this series, that as the word is spoken, as we open up the scriptures, that you just might recover some of that wonder of God's love for you, the wonder of the Christmas story. And it's really my hope for you uh, and for us as we journey through this series. Uh, But listen, as we begin to explore this kind of overarching heading of heaven on earth today, uh, the assignment that I have been given is to speak from the subject of God with us. God with us, which are three words that can really just be summed up in one word, but more accurately said in one name, right? And that is the name Emmanuel, the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, a name that means God with us. And uh, so before you leave today, before you walk out of here, that's what I want you to walk away knowing. Uh, I want you to know that God is with you. And uh, I don't know how you might have come into this place today. Maybe you're sitting here today and it actually just, it wasn't that long ago where you're kind of uttering words like, well, God, where are you in this? God, where are you for me? Or perhaps, you know, recently you might have been thinking, I, I want to trust you. I, I, I want to believe that you are good. I want to uh, declare that you are faithful like everybody else around me seems to be able to do so confidently. But right now I'm actually just struggling. I'm struggling to see how that, that is, that you are with me. Because what I'm facing just seems so insurmountable. And, and frankly, I, I can't see how a, a loving God wouldn't have intervened. Jake, maybe... You're saying, I, I, I'm struggling uh, to believe that God is with me right now. Well, listen, I, 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 I wonder, would you just give me a moment today to, to open up the scriptures and just do my best to tell you that whether you are on the, the mountaintop moments, whether you're down in the lowest of valleys, whether life is actually just so busy, you know, with picking kids up from, from sports games and music lessons and um, kids sleepovers, whatever it may be, that that if you put your trust in Jesus Christ, we can be certain that God is with us in it. Whatever our situation, God is with us and he never leaves our side. And that's a truth that uh, I, I choose to place my faith in each and every day. And I do so because of my belief in a God who 2,000 years ago would condescend himself to earth, put on human flesh, and make way for our sins to be cleared from our name. And so, as I say, if you you would give me the privilege today, I would love to open up the Word of God and just preach hope. I would love to walk you through what I believe is the greatest love story that has ever been told. So I've come up with with a subheading uh, for today's message that I want to share with you, and and hopefully it'll become clearer as as we go throughout uh, the morning. But here it it is. Why don't you say it after me? Say, if you go, I'll go. If you go, I'll go. That's sort of my subheading today. Um, those of you who, who know me a little bit might know that um, before I came and worked here at church, uh, I was a shepherd. And, uh, and any shepherd, um, any good shepherd, will have a good team of dogs to help them out, right? Uh, and so I had four dogs. I, um, I don't know if they were all considered good, but I, I had four dogs. Um, and one of those dogs was called um, Timelise. It's a bit of a, a kind of a, a long, awkward name, and I didn't name it. Um, normally, you try to keep it one syllable with a, a working dog, but that's what I got given. So I had the dog, Timelise, 
And can I tell you, she was a beautiful dog. She was stunning. She just had the most amazing coat and, and, and cool markings and cool markings on her face. And um, even more so than that, though, right, she had an incredible bark. And uh, when she opened up um, her mouth, uh, she could just resound out into a paddock and, and project her bark out. And so when I first get this dog, Timelise, man, I'm so excited um, for the prospect of, of what this dog might be. And so I put in heaps of work, and uh, I have her out in, in, in the training paddock, kind of the small training paddock with just a few sheep every, every night um, after work, and I'm getting her ready. And she's just elegant. She's got good style. She gets around the sheep really well. She listens. Not every dog like, has the respect to listen to your instructions, but she was eager to please, and I loved that. And so I was so excited. And so finally, I get her out into, onto the job, right? I take her out into the big paddocks, and I, I'm ready to take her out on the musters. And, uh, and uh, it's a, about this time over the next kind of few months as I'm trying to bring her into, into work uh, that I, I realize a flaw in her characteristic, right? And uh, her flaw was really that actually she was just so loyal to a fault, right? Uh, and it meant that sort of I would send her out and, and, and kind of the reason you would have a dog is that a dog kind of can go places where you can't go. Uh, but I would kind of send her out and, and try and get her over a hill. But the problem with her was that she didn't want to go anywhere that she couldn't see me. And, and so she would get to the top of a hill and then, and then want to come running straight back because she didn't want to go out of, out of sight from me. Uh, and so that wasn't going to be much to help to me. It might have kind of gotten my personal fitness up a little bit more, but um, it wasn't going to be too much help to me. Um, listen, and random example, but it's kind of just what came to mind as I was trying to think about this concept that I want to talk about today, that she really kind of had this posture that I think we should take in our relationship with God. That actually, if, if you go somewhere, I want to go there. I don't want to go anywhere, God, if you're not there. And uh, I think that's a beautiful concept uh, to look at, and that's what we're going to do today. And so... As we, we unpack what it means uh, to, to, to have God with us today, um, instead of jumping straight into the book of, of Matthew and looking at uh, uh, the Christmas passage, I wonder actually if you would just have some patience with me. And I want to begin in the book of Exodus, much closer to the front of our Bibles, uh, and just talk briefly uh, on the story of a man called Moses. And can I tell you, if, if you don't know the story of Moses, or if it's been a while since you last read through this story, Go and read through it. Take your time to do it as well. Because, you know, as I was rereading this story over the last couple of weeks, my faith has just been built beyond measure. You know, it's actually really, his story is, is much like the Christmas story where God just chooses to use the unlikeliest of people to do something truly significant. And so, I don't know, if you've ever felt like your past, your upbringing might somehow make you exempt from being able to be used by God, Go and get in the story of Moses. You know, Moses, he was, he was from a mixed family. Talk about family drama, right? Uh, Moses, wait till you hear some of his family dynamics. You know, when he was born, uh, there was an order out for his death by the Egyptian pharaoh, the Egyptian king. But his mother kind of managed to hide him for a little while until she couldn't anymore, and she eventually had to place him down by the river. But the pharaoh's daughter, the, the king's daughter, found him there. She, she found him by the river, and she decided to take pity on, the, on this young baby boy. She, and, and she decided that she would raise him as her own. 
But, you know, being, being a princess and all, she, uh, she, she's kind of a more of a hands-off kind of mum. Uh, and so she, she kind of, uh, she hires someone to, to raise Moses for her. And who else would that be but his very own biological mother, right? And, and so then the story kind of goes on and Moses grows up. And uh, you can imagine he's probably a little bit confused about who he is, right? He's, he's kind of, he's grown up in the Egyptian royal household, but he's been raised by his, his mother, who's a Levite like himself, um, and, and he goes out, and maybe from this place of, uh, of confusion, he goes and he kills this Egyptian man. And so now he, his adoptive grandfather, the king of Egypt, right, is out for his life for the second time uh, already in his young life. And so he has to go on the run. And he goes on the run, and, and, and he, he ends up in a foreign land called, called Midian, and he, and he marries a woman there, a Midianite woman, and he has children with her. So now he's got Midianite children. So just just already in his story, right, we're just a brief summary, listen to this, Moses is a Levite boy, he's been adopted into the royal Egyptian household after uh, the king was out for his death, but he's been raised by a Levite who, and he's been raised by a Levite, he then marries a Midianite, has Midianite children, and his, his granddad is one of them dead not once, but twice. Sounds like a therapy bill to me, and he's just a young man. But see, here's what I love, right, in Moses' story. None of that backstory, none of his crazy upbringing meant that God wouldn't want to use his life in incredible ways. Instead, God did what he does time after time after time in this book, and he took each of the events in Moses' life, and despite any of their original intent, he turned it all around for the good of his people. And then in this, this famous moment, God comes to him in a burning bush. As I say, you're going to have to go and read this story for yourself. There's a lot in it, right? But he comes in this, this burning bush, and he says to Moses, you know, none of that, none of your past experiences makes you exempt from being used by me because the only thing that matters when it comes to being used by me is my hand on your life and my presence with you. It's all that matters. And so God chose a man who was on the run to be the person who would lead all of Israel out of slavery in Egypt. That's an incredible story, isn't it? And church, that truth still stands today, that whatever we've faced and whatever we've gone through, there is nothing in your past or nothing in your story that would deem you too broken or too insignificant to be used by God. Because we worship a God who has a track record of using broken people and people that others would deem insignificant and people with backstories to do the the most incredible things. It was true for Moses, it was true throughout the Christmas story, and it's true for you and I. Because the only prerequisite then and the only prerequisite now for being used by God is to have him with you. That's it. And it took a wee while for Moses to figure this out, right? He protested, he told God all of the reasons why he wasn't the right person to do this mammoth task of leading Israel out of slavery. But I think he understood the truth eventually. And I, I want to bring your attention to a piece of scripture in Exodus where it becomes apparent that I think he's, he's figured it out, right? And uh, by the time of the scripture, he'd, he, God had used Moses to walk his people out of slavery, and Moses had seen some incredible things take place. Uh, but they haven't yet walked onward and into the promised land that God had for them. And so this passage is sort of a dialogue that takes uh, place before them. Uh, so why don't you read with me? We're going to look at Exodus 34, starting in verse 12. Uh, which says this. One day, Moses said to the Lord, 
you've been telling me, take these people up to the promised land, but you haven't told me whom you will send with me. You've told me, I know you by name and I look favorably on you. If it is true that you look favorably on me, let me know your ways so I may understand you more fully and continue to enjoy your favor. And remember that this nation is your very own people. Sort of feel like he got a bit cheeky there. The Lord replied, I will personally go with you, Moses, and I will give you rest. Everything will be fine for you. And then Moses said, if you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. How will anyone know that you look favorably on me, on me and on your people, if you don't go with us? For your presence among us sets your people and me apart from all the people on the earth. The Lord replied to Moses, Moses, I will indeed do what you have asked, for I look favorably on you, and I know you by name. Church, as we begin our Christmas series today, I wanted to use an Old Testament example in Moses to tell you that throughout all of history, the only thing that should ever matter to God's people and has ever mattered is that he's with them. Through whatever trial, whatever battle we're facing, the only thing that has ever mattered and should ever mattered is that God is with us. And that's the title of, of today's message and the assignment that I've been given today to speak on, to let you know that God is with us. Now, he's di- uh, with us in a different way than he was with Moses because, you know, Jesus came and he flipped what having God with us could look like on its head. But I started with Moses to show that God's love for his people didn't start at the birth of Jesus. Rather, it has never changed, and throughout history, he has always been a God who loves his people and has chosen to be with us. And the cool thing about that is that when God is with us, the impossible suddenly becomes possible, and the obstacles that we might find in our way become the very things that can lead us to our victory when God is with us. Moses, in that passage, he's, he's finally figured it out. He'd, he'd figured out that if God wasn't there, he didn't want to be there. He would step out in faith, step out towards the impossible, but the only way he would do it is if God would go with him. If you go, I'll go. But of course, church, there's a reason that we're not going to stop at Moses' story today. We're going to head into the Christmas message because, yes, God was with Moses. And he used Moses. But because of his people's unresolved sin, there were still limitations with how God could engage with his people. You know, even just after that passage that we just read, after we just finished reading, God said to Moses, you know, I will, I will let all my goodness pass before you, but you may not look at my face for nobody can see me and live. God, in the form of the Father, was highlighting that because of his majesty and his goodness, that if we were to simply look at him with all of the baggage of our sin, we would surely die. That is the extent to which our sinful nature and God's holiness could not interact. It's the same reason that at the burning bush, God had to say to Moses, don't come any closer for you are standing on holy ground. So, so, so yes, God loved his people. Yes, he wanted to be with them. But there were limitations that, that meant that God could not be with them in the fullness of how he had originally intended and before sin came about. And so all the time prior to the coming of Jesus, 
God would find ways to be with his people and speak to his people and be that with, within the Ark of the Covenant, which they would carry with them, or in the temple that would eventually be built for him. But there were always these limitations to the way God's people could interact with their creator. And these were limitations that couldn't be overcome by powerful kings, by the most obedient of prophets, um, the highest of priests, but they could only be overcome by God himself. And so cue the Christmas story. Cue the Christmas story, which really begins in the book of Isaiah, when we receive a prophecy of the name that would overcome any limitation and any barrier between God and his people. And Isaiah prophesies that a redeemer will come and he will be born to a virgin and they will call him Emmanuel, God with us. 784 years later, that prophecy was fulfilled. And I'm finally going to get us to to turn to our passage today, the most beautiful story ever told, the gospel message. We're going to start in Matthew 1.18. And here's what it says. Says this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so decided to break the engagement quietly. And as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet, just as as we read just before. It said, look, the virgin will conceive a child, she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. So when Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded, and he took Mary as his wife. You know, chances are you have, you, you've heard that story a few times before. Um, when I called my dad with this passage and, and told him what it was, he said, well, Jake, I guess it's your turn. I said, what do you mean by that? He said, well, I guess it's your turn to take the most preached message of all time and make it feel like you've got a fresh take on it. Put a little bit of pressure on me. But listen, there is a reason, it's, it's well known, right? There's a reason that it's been preached millions of times for thousands of years, and that's because it's never lost its incredible significance. The coming of Jesus to this earth has never stopped being the most pivotal moment in history. So much so that humanity decided to base its whole structure of record keeping around the birth of Jesus. We are in the year 2023 following the birth of Jesus, and I believe that my assignment today is simply to tell you that all of these years later, we have never witnessed a greater truth that has any greater significance than that of Emmanuel, God with us, heaven coming down to earth. It's a truth that that should affect anyone with a heart soft enough to hear it, because it means that an all-powerful all-knowing, incomparable God will condescend to this earth all in pursuit of being with you. Meaning he wants to walk with you and talk with you and have relationship with you. He had no interest in being bound by the limitations of our sin any longer and he came personally to do something about it. And much like the story of Moses, I'm, I'm just continually amazed by the sorts of people that God will pick out to bring about his will. Because just take a look 
who God chose to be the characters in, in every Christmas nativity scene for the last 2,000 years. He chose a simple carpenter and a young virgin girl. Historians believe Mary would have been somewhere between 13 and 16 years of age. Society would say that she was nothing that special. And carpentry certainly wasn't a profession that would have you on the Forbes 30 millionaires under 30 list. But see, none of that mattered. Because when the young couple gave their yes to God, the only thing that would matter was that God would go with them. And so because of their yes, the Savior of the world, God in the flesh, Emmanuel, was born in a feeding trough in a stable in Bethlehem to a young couple that simply had the faith to trust that God would provide for them. And God himself, he didn't come and demand luxury or the flashest palace or a stay in the Ritz Hotel, but a trough would do just fine. And throughout his life, he, would, he wouldn't just walk with the kings and the high priests. Instead, he, walked, he would walk with the lowly. He served others. He ate with outcasts and the forgotten and the despised, all because he came to be God with us. Not God with the rich and famous, not God with the people who the world deemed as highly favored, but God with all of us who would choose to follow him. God with the solo parent, God with the prostitute, God with the tax collector or the leper. And he did so to, to reassert the same truth that Moses eventually figured out, that the favor of God is never indicated by status or an experience-laden CV, by the money in your checking account. But the favor of God is always indicated by the presence of God in someone's life. And that's something that is now offered to each and every one of us. It's offered to us because the Son of God, God in the flesh, came to this earth and faced every sort of temptation and yet lived a blameless life. And as an innocent man, he carried a cross on his back and died an undeserved sinner's death. And on his back was our sin and our shame. And on that day, he paid the price of our sin. But his death did not mean defeat because three days later, he rose again and death was defeated. But the story doesn't stop there because as he went and took his rightful place at the right hand of the Father in heaven, he sent the Holy Spirit and he promised that anyone who believed in him, who called him Lord and was baptized into faith, would receive the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit would come and take residence on the inside of them. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity, not third in value, but rather the full expression of God himself. And since the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit first came upon believers, never again have those with faith in the gospel had to be bound by the limitations that Moses had to face, but rather we can look full in God's wonderful face and find our rest in his presence. No longer would the, the presence of God be bound to an ark or to a temple, but we would take it wherever we went. And so what are the implications of this? Well, if Jesus is God and the Holy Spirit is God, well, that can only mean that we now walk with the very same power living inside of us that saw Moses walk through a sea as if it were a footpath. We walk around with the same power living inside of us that saw Lazarus get up out of his grave, that saw a blind man see and lame men walk. That power now lives and dwells on the inside of us. And because Jesus is God and the Holy Spirit is God, that means that walking with us is Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. That means walking with us is Jehovah Rapha, the God that heals. Walking with us is Jehovah Shalom, the God who brings peace beyond any of our understanding. 
Walking with us is Jehovah Nisi, the God who fights our battles. And walking with us is Jehovah Ra, a shepherd who leads. Isn't it incredible to know that God is with us? Emmanuel. I know I must have said that. God is with you a million times today. I know I haven't had a three-point message. I've just had the one. But it's because I believe that if we can grasp the fact that from a deep love for us, God would put on flesh and face all the same persecutions that we do, all so that we can enjoy communion and rest with him, it'll flip our worlds upside down. Because we'll realize that instead of having a disapproving dictator as a God, we have a loving God who has walked where we have walked, who has faced the things that we have faced, and he has never shied away from broken people. But instead, he ministers to them, and he heals them. He shows them hope, and then he uses them to do impossible things, made possible because he goes with them. He used fishermen and tax collectors, zealots and shepherds, and guess what? He can use you too. But maybe you're still sitting here thinking, ah, I don't know if he would use me or walk with me. I'm not sure anybody really sees me at the moment or hears my cry. Everywhere I look, even at church, I feel like I'm a number. I feel like my days are numbered. I want you to hear me that Jesus sees you and Jesus is with you. Jesus has walked that path before. He is Emmanuel, God with us. In Hebrews 4.15, he says, uh, it says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. So if you've been thinking, God doesn't understand me, he, he, he doesn't know me, well, I would beg to differ. I think you should look a little closer, because I think Jesus has been through a lot of the things that you might have gone through. When we just take a look at his life for a second, we understand that within his 33 years, Jesus knew what it was like to face homelessness. The beginning of his life, the only place that the young couple were able to find was in a stable. God in the flesh, born out back where the animals were, were kept, he knew what it was like to be homeless. Maybe this year has just been the hardest that you've ever had, and you're saying, I appreciate your optimism, Jake, but just speaking reality, I can't pay my rent. Can't pay my mortgage. You don't understand what I've been going through. And you might be right. I, maybe I don't understand that, but there is a God and his name is Jesus and he sympathizes with that type of pain. He understands what you're walking through. Maybe you've been thinking, man, it would seem everywhere, everyone around here is the perfect family, but to be honest, Christmas is hard for me because I come from a broken family. I never knew my mom or I never knew my dad. I'm illegitimate. I'm disqualified. I, I don't think I could be used by God. Well, don't you know that as, as Jesus was growing up, little boys and little girls were likely poking fun at Jesus. They would have been saying things like, hey, isn't that the boy whose mom said that she got pregnant from the Holy Spirit? Jesus can sympathize with your pain. Jesus knew what it was like for it to be too dangerous to live in his own country. He knew what it was like to seek safety in a foreign land. He knows what it's like to be a refugee. He knows what it's like to be falsely accused. He was a blameless man as he carried that cross on his back. He knows what it's like to have someone close to him turn their back and betray you. 
Not only did Judas betray him, but so did Peter, one of his closest and dearest friends, turned his back on him and denied their friendship three times to a little girl. Jesus can empathize with the pain of someone letting you down. And why why would an almighty and all-powerful God choose to go through all of this? Well, the only logical answer to that question is that he just loved you that much. But we don't have to sit around and guess because it's written right here in his holy book when it says, For God so loved the world that he would give his only son so that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. He loved you that much. And he saw what his people were facing. He saw what they were dealing with. He knew what you would be facing. And he humbled himself to take part in a divine condescension that saw heaven come to earth so that those who put their trust in him would never again have to wonder whether God is in this with them because it's in his very name, Emmanuel, God with you. And so, He was Emmanuel in the Garden of Eden every morning and every evening as he walked with Adam and Eve. He was Emmanuel on the ark and as he declared his promises to Noah. He was Emmanuel in the bottom of a well and in prison with Joseph and throughout the drought. He was Emmanuel with Moses in the face of Pharaoh. He was Emmanuel as manna in the desert and water from the rock. He was Emmanuel in front of Goliath. He was Emmanuel in in the lion's den. He was Emmanuel in the furnace with Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. He was Emmanuel with Elijah on Mount Carmel in the mouth of the cave. He was Emmanuel with Nehemiah in the rebuild. He was Emmanuel in the manger in the temple. He was Emmanuel in Nazareth in Galilee. He was Emmanuel on a hillside feeding the 5,000. He was Emmanuel with Peter as he started sinking into the waves. He was Emmanuel on the cross, but not in the empty tomb. He was Emmanuel when the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost. He was Emmanuel on the road to Damascus. He was Emmanuel as Philip met the Ethiopian. He was Emmanuel outside the temple gates when the lame man walked. He was Emmanuel in the prison cell with Paul and Silas. He is Emmanuel in our communion, in our baptism, in our families, in our workplace, in the doctor's rating room with your sick child. He's Emmanuel in the work and income office. Emmanuel throughout the tricky divorce or that relationship breakdown. He's Emmanuel when a loved one passes. Emmanuel when you're stepping out into that dream that he's placed onto your life. Why? Well, it's just because he loves you that much. His love is incomprehensible, incredible, indelible, unalterable, unending, unconditional, unchanging, immeasurable, impossible, unmatched, unstoppable. Do you get the point? And when we find ourselves thinking that God is not with us, that he might have abandoned us, we can be more than certain that he has never been the one that's moved. Because through the power of the Holy Spirit that dwells in his believers, he is Emmanuel, God with us. As I draw this message to a close, I want to leave you with two questions because I'm aware that it really has two implications. The first question I want to ask you is, is this a God that you know for yourself? Have you experienced the love of Emmanuel in your own life? Because I can attest as someone who's been walking with him for a while now that it is a transformative love, a love that will shift your perspective, but better than that, it's a love that will never leave. And it's a love that gives hope. It's a love that we would love to tell you more about. To tell you that you can receive that for yourself. 
Romans 10, 9 says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that you will be saved. It says, for it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you, can, uh, can, uh, that you confess and are saved. And so throughout this next worship set and following the service, we will have people down here at the front who would just think it a massive privilege to get to pray with you. We would love it if you took that first step of faith and came to the front. Well, maybe you've known, known this love for a while now, but you've been holding it at a distance. But something's been in the way and you haven't come and just sat with him for a while. We'd love to pray with you too to remind you that he's not a God that holds a grudge, but a God that has arms open wide waiting for you to come back. The second question I want to ask before we wrap is that for those of us who have been walking with Jesus a little longer, when was the last time that you had the faith to speak it how Moses did all of those years ago and just say, God, if you go, I'll go. I want to ask you, what does your life look like now that you know that God is with you? Throughout the, the time of, of writing this message, I, I kept being reminded of my experience um, not long ago when I was weighing up this decision, right, to whether or not I, I should take a step of faith and step into church ministry and whatever that, that might have looked like. And I remember agonizing and agonizing over it because it didn't seem logical. You know, I had, a, I had a student loan to pay off, a degree in agriculture. You know, would that just mean that I've wasted that three years of my life? I wasn't sure where my income would come from, where I would live and you know, I just allowed all of those questions to consume me in that moment. And kind of in a way that was okay, because it's not like those things didn't matter. But I also remember at that time getting a clear revelation that said, actually, Jake, whether you step out into this thing, this new thing, or whether you stay where you are, I'll still be with you. I'll still find a way to use you, whether that be in a church building or in a woolshed smoker room. All that actually matters is that I'm with you. And so my whole perspective changed. And it's probably obvious that I, I did. I took that step of faith and, and, and went into that new thing. And do you know what I found out when I did? God came with me. And along with him, he brought provision and he brought peace. And he continues to lead me and he continues to fight my battles. So I wonder, is there a dream that God has had for you? that he's been nudging at your heart on, that you haven't stepped into. Maybe that's from a place of fear. Maybe it looks uncomfortable. Maybe it's just unfeasible. Well, I want to tell you and remind you that God has a track record of doing the impossible. And it's not unlike him to tear down walls or split open seas if it's required. And so I wonder, what might God have you do, knowing that the only thing that really matters is that he's with you? Again, if, if that's you, we would love to pray for you and the space will be open down the front. Um, but would you stand with me? We're going to move into a time of worship. I just want to pray for us as we do so. Father God, we're just blown away and in wonder. But you wouldn't see it fit to have limitations in between us and you, Lord. That you want to be with us in every day of our week, whatever we're facing. And we're grateful that through your son that you made way for that to happen, that that was made possible. 
Lord, I just want to play, uh, pray over anybody in this room that, that just be, might be feeling a nudge to, to accept you as, as Jesus, as their Lord and Savior, Lord. Lord, we pray for them, Lord. We just pray for your Holy Spirit to speak into their lives right now. Lord, I pray over anybody who's had a dream that, that's been placed on their heart by you, Lord, that they would know that the only thing that really matters is that you are with them. And that because of your Holy Spirit, you go wherever we go. We thank you for that truth. We're blown away by that truth. And so we want to just continue to worship you and praise you as our living hope. We pray all of this in your name. Thanks for listening to the Crossroads Church Podcast. If you'd like any more information on our church, how to give, or after this message you'd like to talk to someone, you can find everything you'll need to know on our website, crossroads.co.nz. Make sure you subscribe to this channel to keep up to date with new content, but thanks again, and we'll catch you soon.